So I hope you appreciate some of this advice. I hope you put some of this advice into practice. Another point worth reiterating is remembering, like I said, that if you don't choose the best path possible, if you have that slip up, if this turns into a situation where you're disappointed when you wake up the next morning, do not beat yourself up. Give yourself permission. Give yourself grace. Don't give yourself permission to eat like a total jerk. Give yourself permission that if it didn't exactly go as planned, you had the experience, you take the inventory of how it made you feel, you figure out what triggered you to choose the path you had no intention of choosing because you listened to this podcast and you were like, I'm going to be so prepared and I'm going to rock this and be proud of myself. Let's link up with Krista on the fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength. Welcome to episode 47 of The Fix. I am your host, Krista Huber, and we are back with our second episode in the series on all things food for the holidays. If you're listening to this right when the episode drops, we are just weeks away from Thanksgiving, and this is that time of year when everybody has a whole lot of anxiety around food, weight loss, managing their fitness goals, managing their nutrition goals, and I'm here with some more information to help you navigate it. So last week I talked all about setting boundaries and really working on using your voice in the context of what you can control, selecting the restaurants that you want your friends or family members to go to, being thoughtful about what you're putting on your plate, being okay with ordering what you want customized to how you want that food to be ordered and not feeling some type of way if you ask your waiter for like three different modifications. So if you didn't have a chance to check that out, strongly encourage you to jump back to episode 46. You can totally listen to these out of order, but just know that all of them are connected and tied to this entire theme of food for the holidays. Kind of like a play on words of home for the holidays if you didn't pick up on that one. So today we are going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat this one, guys. I'm going to be real straight. This is one of my favorite things to say to my clients. And I usually say it one of two ways, but today we're going with this one. Here's a lesson in how to not eat like an asshole. It's as simple as that. It's straightforward to the point, and it's something that a lot of us, when we're stressed the hell out, when we're feeling in our feelings or whatever it is, sometimes we eat a lot of food, we overeat, sometimes better known as binge eating, and we straight up just eat like an asshole. And I think this is something that becomes very easy around the holidays because we have such access to food. And I've worked with a coach in the past who said this so well, we have access to excess. And sometimes we forget to be grateful for that. And frankly, in eating like an asshole, we kind of take advantage of it. So I am going to provide you five, six, maybe seven. I got a little list here of actual tactical steps, tools, strategies that you can use to better manage your plate, yourself, your desire to keep reaching for that fork and going back for leftovers and seconds and thirds and whatevers when it comes to Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's Eve, the whole holiday circuit that's on the way. 
So the first thing I want to address, I touched on this a little bit in episode 46 in talking about focusing on memories and the people that you're with, but I think it's so important and is fundamental to the holiday season. And it goes back to being grateful for having access to excess is remembering that food will always be there. Now you have two choices or multiple choices. You can pick both, but it just depends on what kind of perspective you want to take with that. So if you can remember that the food will always be there, and maybe sometimes it won't be, which I'm going to get into in a sec, but it should shift your focus away from the food itself. Let's think about what's gone on in the past almost now two years. There's probably been people in your life that you haven't seen for a while. We traveled less. Holidays looked really different last year. We didn't get to do the things, the traditions that we typically do with all of the people that we love. So hopefully, if you are doing those things this year, I think this is probably a very opportune and appropriate time to focus on the people with you, to focus on the memories that you're making, whether food is involved in them or not. I think because culturally, as we talked about in episode 46, there's such a focus around food and food is so important. And it's also something that unifies people. Think about it. It's notoriously the time when you sit down at the table, if you want to be thinking of like the nuclear family or like that quintessential holiday season image in your head, it's all these people gathering around the table, passing around plates of food. And there's a whole lot of food on the table. Like I said last week, we definitely don't have the problem where we go to someone's house for a holiday and there's not enough food. There's usually too much and there's a lot of options. From a psychological standpoint, having a lot of options and also being somebody who works hard, is burnt out, tired of making decisions, having more options in front of you makes it harder to make some of those really good decisions. Well, okay, thanks for telling me that, Krista. What the hell do I do about it? Here's what you're going to do about it. Other than really trying to focus in on what you're grateful for outside of the food itself in realizing that food will always be there, it encourages you to think about the exact foods that maybe you only have certain times of year. And I have a perfect example for that because my absolute favorite food of all time is a food that I only have sometimes Thanksgiving, sometimes Christmas, maybe both, but it's usually one or the other. And that is sweet potato casserole. People have different names for it, but I'm sure you're very familiar with this. If you're listening, it is sweet potatoes with sometimes pineapple mixed in in a casserole. I prefer it without. And then it's topped with marshmallows. You put the marshmallows on top. They're browned. It's delicious. It's super sweet. And I don't want to know how many damn calories it is because guess what? It's the one time of year that I eat it. And quite frankly, because it's the only time of year that I eat it, I just don't care. So instead of bragging about the fact that I skipped the sweet potato casserole this year because I was so concerned about reaching my nutrition goals, I'm going to brag that I ate it and I didn't feel some type of way about it. Because why? Because it only happens once a year. And if you can learn one thing from coaching with me and my clients who work with me on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis, know how big I am on this. The idea is always about zooming out looking at averages, looking at your average calories consumed for the week, month over month, three months over three months, year over year, whatever kind of timeline it is. But it's not about the day-to-day micro decisions as much as it is about how well you do over the course of seven days plus. Seven days being like the minimum of how minutia we can get on this. So I eat my sweet potato casserole and I enjoy every single bite of it full well knowing that it's probably a few hundred calories And it certainly 
has no protein in it. Maybe a little bit. Sweet potatoes are good for you, but it also has things like condensed milk. I think that's an ingredient. Some kind of milk. One of the milks that's in a can. And it has cinnamon. That's not bad. Nutmeg. Um, a whole lot of other things. And I love it. My mom makes it or my grandma makes it. And they know this is like my thing. It's the food that I love to have every single year around this time. And why do I feel okay about it? Because it's not a regular thing for me. It's a special occasion. It's not even an option any other time of year because I'm not going to come home on a random Tuesday and my mom be like, oh, I made sweet potato casserole. It's also not something I really like look forward to unless it's kind of cold out. It's definitely a more comforting meal. Um, And frankly, I should just call it a dessert because it's so sweet and it basically tastes like a dessert. But that said, it's a really great example while I could go on a whole rabbit hole about how much I love it and how good of a recipe it is and all that stuff. That's not what you came here for. But it just illustrates the fact that we can have those certain specialty foods. Maybe it's like you have this favorite birthday cake and your mom always makes it for you every year on your birthday. Or maybe you have a tradition in your house that for somebody else's birthday or some kind of holiday, you always go to this specific restaurant and chances are at that restaurant, there's probably this one meal that you always order. And if you always order it at this time of year, I want you to know one thing. I want you to give yourself the permission to eat it and enjoy it. And that doesn't make you eating like an asshole. You want to know why? Because you know that it's in the context of this event and this celebration that you are going to look forward to that. And what's more important is that I can almost guarantee that if you don't satisfy that because it's a memory, it's important to you, I'd go so far as to say it's it's a part of your identity in a lot of ways, you will be disappointed. And a lot of the times that disappointment turns into you eating a whole bunch of other things because you didn't satisfy the craving or you feel disappointed that you didn't have that thing. Or it also turns into when the leftovers are available the next day, you eating way more than the serving side you would have consumed if you just ate it in the moment. And that, my friends, that last scenario that I described is where we get into the mode of eating like an a-hole. Before we talk about leftovers, I'm saving that for the next episode, which actually will drop on Thanksgiving. So you should listen to that, go eat, and then think about me the next day before you reach back into the fridge and grab all that stuff. So we'll save all those details for that episode. But I think it's really hard to keep in mind like, okay, looking at the table, what on this table not only tastes really good, but is kind of a staple that I may have all the time. For example, maybe there's some other side that is really a a side that your family always has. Like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something else that we have for holidays in my house that I could definitely have at other times of year. I know one, mac and cheese. My grandma makes bomb mac and cheese. It's delicious. It's got like multiple kinds of cheese, a lot of pasta. And yeah, there's a little bit of protein in there, but there's a lot of fat and there's a lot of carbs. Here's how I play this little game. And kind of works right into my second point of creating a hierarchy of foods that are most important to you. I don't need to be a genius. I don't need to have ever tracked my food in my life to know the following. If I have a plate on Thanksgiving, of course, it's going to have turkey on it. We'll talk about protein in a minute. If I put on it sweet potato casserole and mac and cheese, that is probably, I don't know, a good 
700 calories if I had a guess, maybe 800 calories. The calories alone don't really matter other than to say it's a whole lot of food. And I could play this off like, oh, well, I'm not tracking it so it doesn't count. Have an aversion to information and have an aversion to measuring it. Well, guess what? That doesn't do me any good. It doesn't do my coach any good if he or she is trying to help me navigate the situation. What does me good is if I'm honest about it. What does me good is if maybe one holiday season I do actually track my food intake and get super precise with it because it's homemade and I can be a part of the process of cooking and then actually know exactly what's going on my plate so that the next time I have more information to be like, oh, this is like 500 calories for this thing. This is 600 calories for this thing. Then I also want to have dessert. Then I also want to have two glasses of wine. Well, either I'm not going to eat anything the whole day or I'm definitely going over on my calories. And if I choose to go over my calories, am I okay with that? Am I okay with the potential consequences, side effects, or just the outcome if we wanna be a little more neutral about it? Let's call it the outcome. If you're cool with that and you're cool with the scale jumping up and down and you can be mentally prepared for that and you feel like you have a strong enough relationship with food that one day of that doesn't turn into the day after Thanksgiving and then the weekend after and then the whole month of December into January, maybe it does and you just don't care, then you probably aren't really the audience for this podcast, but you never know. Sometimes we just go into modes where we're like, this is not as important to me right now. If you know what those possible outcomes are and you're aware of them, then you're totally empowered to make the decision that is best for you. But whatever decision you pick, you can't kick yourself later if it's not the one that you wanted to make. So with all that in mind, that's kind of how we create an understanding of like what's worth it to me, what's worth it to Krista. And what's worth it to Krista may not be worth it to the next person because, for example, that example that I provided of sweet potato casserole being like my thing, the next person could be like, you know what, I really have this dessert that you know my cousin makes and it's the only time of year that I eat it. Or maybe your family does like a really big brunch spread for Christmas Eve or Thanksgiving or whatever, and so you wanna splurge on like a stuffed French toast or something like that. You do you, you do your thing. But the best thing that you can do is remember None of your meals happen in a vacuum, meaning that whatever you ate earlier today and whatever you plan on eating later in the day are going to be a factor in determining what you eat for Thanksgiving, that Thanksgiving meal, Christmas, whatever holiday, birthday, celebration, et cetera, et cetera. I talked about this a few episodes ago in discussing some travel tips so that your travel plans wouldn't necessarily derail your nutrition goals. And at the time, I was looking for a word for it, and I finally found it, and thanks to my editor, Tony. We were trying to talk about this idea of like instant gratification versus making calculated sacrifices. And what we came up with was this idea of a calculated sacrifice in the context of choosing one food item that maybe isn't the quote unquote healthiest for a certain meal. For example, we were talking about somebody wanting to order french fries instead of like a salad as a side. And I said to that person who's a client of mine, order the french fries because you know that's what you want or have a salad or have a sandwich instead of the salad but just know that if you choose that option at lunch you eventually are going to have to quote unquote pay for it or make that calculated sacrifice later at dinner 
So that might look something like, okay, I'm going to dinner and the entree I was going to choose was like a chicken entree and it had potatoes on the side. But instead of having the potatoes, since I already had the French fries at lunch with my sandwich, I'm going to swap it in for something else that's a different type of vegetable that's not so carb heavy. Maybe I switch it for like a broccoli or another vegetable instead because that will better help me keep my calories a little more in check than if I just went balls to the wall and ate whatever I felt like eating over the course of that time. Or as I said, eat like an a-hole. So that's my first, let's call that two points. I'm going to lose track because a lot of these blend together. So thinking about the context of food always being there, choosing the foods that are most important to you, and remembering that each meal does not happen in isolation. It's more about how they fit together than it is about you making that one specific choice in the moment of that one specific meal. Okay, so next up, I wanna go through a little bit more of some of the tactical methods. Like the first piece of this was a little bit more conceptual and, and being strategic and really putting some thought behind the foods that you were choosing to eat. This one is more about what can you do in the moment? And a lot of these things are things that we tend to overlook. They're not new ideas. There's other people out there who have talked about this stuff before, but maybe in listening to my podcast and I haven't talked about it, it's a new concept for you. So hopefully somebody out there finds this helpful. The first thing is the whole idea between, do I go back for seconds? Do I just get one big plate? Do I use a smaller plate? And here's what I'm going to say. None of those things are wrong and all of them are potential options. You have to work based off of your preferences and only you can make that decision by being totally honest with yourself. For example, I personally like to just get a big plate, fill it up one time because I find that if I go for a smaller plate and I go back for seconds or thirds, I probably will eat more and eat a little bit more mindlessly instead of listening to my hunger cues and making sure I'm actually full. The same thing applies for when we're dealing with like appetizers and mindlessly eating or having a snack accident, as people like to say to be cute, when you are waiting for the meal, the main meal, and you start snacking on things that you get to a point where you then go have the main meal and you're not hungry, but we all know that we wind up eating anyway because we're like, oh, it's Thanksgiving and I'm going to have turkey and this and da 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 And then it gets out of control. So this all kind of fits into the same realm of, well, should I go for a smaller plate? Sure, maybe that works for you, but just kind of pay attention. Take inventory of how you behave if you choose that route. And maybe it doesn't go great the first time. The cool part is that by the time you go from Thanksgiving to then Christmas, You'll have the information from what did work for you on Thanksgiving or what didn't work for you on Thanksgiving, and then you can do something about it when you're in that next holiday stretch, which is great. So maybe you try one out and it doesn't exactly go your way. That's okay. You don't beat yourself up. You just take note of the info that you received and you apply it to the next situation, which is awesome because you have more knowledge, which makes you more powerful, which puts you in a position to take better care of your health and make that investment in your future self going forward. Another thing I find with all the appetizers and things is a lot of the time that food tends to be really light on the protein spectrum and have a whole lot of fat and maybe some carbs. If you're in an Italian household, you probably still have your carbs with all the pasta and then breads and things like that as a part of the main meal, or maybe you have that before you have your main meal. Again, 
take inventory, look around, look at all of the options that are in front of you and maybe even find out if some of the food is still being prepared and you don't know what's on the menu, my best advice is to first of all, find out what's gonna be on the menu before you even get there. But even on top of that is just asking, like when you show up at this person's house and you're like, hey, I see we have these appetizers, like what are some of the things that are gonna be on the table for dinner or like whatever time you have your Thanksgiving meal, and then they tell you, then you can actually survey all of your options and not treat it like you're having this like way beyond a three course meal. It becomes like two double meals in the course of four hours, which we all know would lead us to consume a lot more calories probably than we allotted ourselves for the day. So that's another strategy. What's even more important is what I just said about finding out what's going to be on the table before you even get there. Why is that? Because here's one of the biggest mistakes I have personally made and see other people make often. Never go into a event, a celebration, a party, a holiday, a whatever, hungry, ever. This is like something I see a lot where people essentially hoard their macros and save them all up for one or two meals. If you are starving, you are very, very likely to overeat. I don't know anyone who, when they're really hungry, they actually listen to themselves. Because sometimes you get to the point where you're just like irrational, right? I get hangry. And then I'm so hungry. And then I start mindlessly eating. And then maybe you throw some alcohol into the mix there. Your inhibition is low. You're not really making the best decisions. You're just increasing your likelihood of eating more food than you intended to and going down the path of eating like an asshole. And again, we are here to help you to not do that. So that's another piece of advice I think is really helpful. And I think a mistake that can very easily be made, because if you go back to the argument of calories in, calories out, if somebody was on here trying to debate me on that one and you told me, oh, well, I'm just going to kind of like hoard my calories and save them for these couple meals. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong, but I am going to tell you that there's probably a better method to choose. So what would be some of those things that you could consume before that meal? Well, I kind of hinted at a couple and the way I would back into this one is to actually focus on what food is not going to be available to you in context of what your macronutrient goals are. As most of my listeners know, I'm a big proponent of macronutrients. Anybody that works with me, that's how we look at our plate. That's how we get an education around our food content and our food quality and most of the time, any eating out situation or any holiday situation is heavy on the carbs and the fat and lighter on the protein, even if there's protein available in the form of, of course, like turkey or ham or chicken or beef or whatever it is, fish. It tends to be no more than a serving. And if you're somebody who's literally hoarded all of your calories and saved all of your macros until the end of the day, well, I don't know anyone who can very comfortably consume over 100 grams of protein in one sitting. Your stomach would not really be very happy about that. I mean, personally, that 35 gram mark is kind of my threshold. There's definitely some days where I'll push it closer to like 50 if I'm trying to play catch up, but it's never intentional and it's never something I actively choose to do unless I'm playing this game of fitting in a certain type of food and wanting to be prepared so that I can have the flexibility to eat that food. So maybe you have like a 3 p.m. holiday meal time. I would not tell you to skip lunch. Instead, I would encourage you to have something like 
egg whites and eggs for breakfast instead of maybe pairing it with like a toast, that's when I'd encourage a client of mine to think about having fruit or a type of carb macro that I like to call one of the bang for your buck macros, meaning that you can have a lot more of it without it putting such a dent into your macro budget. Think of it as like the difference of shopping at the dollar store versus, I don't know, going to, trying to think of something where you'd spend more money on the same item. Maybe like buying a brand name item versus getting the knockoff version of it, right? That's what certain fruits are like compared to toast or more refined carbohydrates because those guys are just more dense. So in order to see a lot of food in front of me, I'd really want to focus on the things that can go further and push my macro dollar a little further than if, say, I had like toast, potatoes, things that are a little bit denser, heavier. And then let's say we're, like I said, that three o'clock example, I would not skip lunch. I would again focus on protein because chances are I'm going to want to use most of my fat and carbs later. And not to mention protein when it comes to fat loss is king because it helps with being satiated. It helps with you feeling full. So if you don't want to go into that meal really hungry, even if your caloric intake was a little bit on the lower side before the meal for that day, because that was like the main event, I would encourage you to pay attention to your protein intake. All right, so we've covered a bunch so far. We've gotten through this idea that food will always be there. We've talked about strategies of using a bigger plate, using a smaller plate, whether or not to go back for seconds, all of that being up to you. And then the context that whatever you eat at that one meal is not the only thing you've consumed that day. If it is, shame on you. You're not putting yourself in a good spot. And how do we navigate that? What other foods should we prioritize or consider eating leading up to that main event? Next one, when you're in the moment, this one is super underrated and I'm terrible at it myself. So I'm calling myself out because this is a daily thing that I have to work on. Chew your food more slowly. This is important for digestion. It's important for your gut health. It affects the amount of stress you're putting on your body, on your system. But digestion starts with the mouth and chewing your food more slowly will help you slow down. This was something that my grandparents always used to say is like a little bit of a joke when I was a little kid, but it's actually founded in a lot of science in the sense of giving your brain time to catch up to your stomach. That was the way they always said it. Chewing slower, taking your time. And then my grandma always had this rule called the five minute rule that you waited five minutes before you thought you were ready to go back in for that second helping. And if after those five minutes, you're no longer thinking about that food, it's probably time to catch yourself off. If after five minutes, you are in fact still hungry, you are genuinely still thinking about the food because you want more, not just because it's right there and you're bored or you're using it as a way to almost like self-medicate in a lot of capacities, then we can have it. But I think chewing slowly is something we overlook because we're always so often, at least in my case, I know I can speak for myself, in a rush. And a lot of my clients who go down the path of needing to work on some gut healing protocols, it's usually when I say to them, hey, do you like chew your food pretty thoroughly or do you eat a lot of your meals standing up? Do you eat a lot of your meals on the go? They start laughing and they say, I take one bite and I can like literally scarf down my food. I eat in the car a lot. I'm always in a hurry. And I usually challenge them. I say, we've got two options. 
you either make this difficult on yourself and you don't address that and then you have to deal with this becoming a more extreme issue and going through a much more extensive protocol and healing process or you commit to me right now to focusing on just that one change and we can do your whole body a lot of good. In the sense of, in the context of the holiday season, chewing slower is going to help you have a better connection to avoid mindless eating, to avoid being unable to tap into those hunger cues and listen to them and assess them. And again, I think it's just something that we overlook because it doesn't sound like a really groundbreaking tip, but I promise you it makes all the difference. Next, and kind of related to my point prior to the chewing more slowly point, talking about protein and what to eat before the main meal, I want to talk about pairing your foods depending on the certain macros. So I think something that is really helpful to keep in mind that has kind of gotten perverted a little bit with the idea of macros being the whole, if it fits your macros, make it flexible. Oh, you can eat any calories and you don't have to worry about food quality. Just make sure you hit your calorie goals. Is this idea of like, well, I'm going to eat a donut just because I can eat a donut, just because it fits, just because if I consume this donut, I'm therefore as a result, technically not going to go over on my calories. This is a little tricky. If you eat the donut, yeah, we can talk about the fact that it makes your blood sugar spike. Among other things, chances are you're going to get hungry again in a little bit. So what can we do instead? In the context of a holiday event, can you think about pairing those types of treats or cheat meals or whatever you want to call it with a quality source of protein? Keeping with the donut example, you can do yourself a whole lot of favors and it go a long way if you have that donut but let's say that's like the family breakfast item, the brunch item. Maybe it's like donuts or like even like a bagel and cream cheese. If you compare that with protein, maybe you pair it with a protein shake to keep your life super easy and simple. Maybe it's adding eggs, something like that. Your body will appreciate the added protein. And not to mention, I just gave you a whole three minute lecture about the fact that you're not going to have a lot of protein at other points in the day for the big meal that you're splurging on. So why not get it where you can? just illustrates that a little bit further. I got two more for you guys before I wrap this one up. The next one, everyone has a different opinion on, but I think it's worthy advice to share because it could help at least one person out there. I'm not saying that this is the best method, and I think it just really depends on your preferences. And that is looking for substitutes for alcohol. A lot of people don't like to hear this because they're like, oh, well, I want to drink. Like, I love to have a glass of wine with my mom. I don't see her a lot. That's like our thing that we like to do together around the holidays. That's great. But first, I would challenge you without judgment, just as purely a question, to assess your relationship with the alcohol itself. This comes up a lot for people who have a tendency to come home every night after work and just be like, oh, I really need a glass of wine to unwind. The wine isn't the problem in that situation. It's the fact that you are using it as a mechanism to de-stress. And there's a better way, regardless of the calories, there's a better way to cultivate a better relationship with alcohol so that you have other activities that are great for you that you can use in place of that. Or really asking yourself, is there some personal shit that I need to work on so that I don't have that kind of relationship with a drink? And that is something that I think people just don't like to examine because it encourages us to look at ourselves in a pretty critical and vulnerable way. That's a great part about working with a coach 
It puts you in a spot where somebody who, quite frankly, doesn't have a lot of skin in your game. I love all of my clients to death, and I'm so grateful to be able to work with all of them, and I get so much satisfaction off of watching someone be successful. But at the same time, I like what I tell them, ultimately, they have the choice of whether that has a bearing on their life. Like, I'm not going to lose sleep at night because somebody didn't listen to me when I provided the suggestion about trying XYZ route for alcohol or navigating a menu this certain way. I gave them the information. I presented them with the scenarios, the facts. And like I said earlier, you have the power to choose that outcome. So that's where the help of someone like a coach and their perspective without having skin in your game personally can give you that less bias. I don't believe there's anything that's totally unbiased, but that less biased point of view, that bird's eye view that allows you to be better equipped to make the best possible decision that leads to the best possible outcome specific to your personal goals. Again, all in the context of being specific to your personal goals. You may go through seasons where I provide you one set of advice and then the next set of advice I give is like completely counterintuitive to that. I find myself often when I'm even recording these podcasts or talking with clients one-on-one during our check-ins that I'll say to them, oh, I think you could go this, this, and this route, but by the way, I'm about to totally contradict myself and also say you could do this, this, and this. It's the part of the job. (laughs) And... I think that a lot of times when it comes to something like alcohol, again, it puts us in a place where we don't want to express the fact or accept or acknowledge that maybe we don't have the healthiest relationship with it because it's not extreme. And we always hear of examples of where somebody had an issue or a problem that was extreme. And that's what leads to a more serious case of, say, a full-blown addiction. There's varying degrees to that. And again, Food itself, it doesn't even have to be alcohol as the example. For a lot of people, it's an escape. It's a way to deal with certain emotions. It's a way to deal with stress. And until we acknowledge that and say that out loud and accept that, I am totally that way. And I'll be the first person to admit it. And it's really freeing when you actually do. When you can identify that you have that kind of relationship, it helps you understand why you actually make the decisions that you do and appreciate that you're not just walking around trying to self-sabotage yourself when you go through phases of life where maybe tracking your macros and meal prepping and all those other sorts of things feel really laborious and just not like a priority to you. So what's my suggestion when it comes to the holidays and drinking? Treat them like opportunities to maybe pull back on your drinking a little bit. I'm not saying not drink at all, although that is one option. And my number one suggestion there would be to ask yourself to create that same hierarchy that I described in choosing between like the sweet potato casserole example and the mac and cheese. Take the same route and throw wine into the mix or beer or whatever, a mixed drink, cocktail, whatever it is that you enjoy sipping on as another option that's contributing to those calories and asking yourself, is that worth it for you? Again, I can't answer that question for somebody. And here's why. Me personally, I love food so much. I get more satisfaction from being able to have room for dessert or eat that extra serving of something else. And I'd rather sacrifice the alcohol. That's that calculated sacrifice that I'm making. But I recognize that everyone is different. And maybe you by the same token could say the exact opposite and be like, I'll pass up on that thing because I'd really rather have a drink. You do you. It's totally cool. It's just a different method. The principle is exactly the same. 
if you're somebody who's like, you know what, I like just don't really care about this that much. But at the same time, I want to feel like I'm having some sort of special drink. My big recommendation always is some kind of like sparkling seltzer or a mocktail of sorts. I'm big on taking frozen fruit. Just go buy it from like a Trader Joe's or something like that and using it as my ice for a spin drift. Put it in a fancy glass, make it feel like you're having an alcoholic beverage just like everybody else, and chances are you won't really feel like you're missing out on the fun. All right, I got one more for you guys. Touched on it a little bit, but I wanna hit it again and go back to it. I said this at the beginning of the episode, and I think it's really important. Remember always, that you have access to excess. A time like Thanksgiving, we're talking about gratitude. It's a very easy time to remind yourself to be grateful for that. And when we're grateful for things, we don't abuse them. In making my joke of, hey, don't eat like an asshole, it's kind of my way of saying, don't abuse the fact that you have so much access to food and that the food is always available and that it'll always be there. So that point that I really wanna drive home is to just shift your perspective. Shift your perspective away from the food. It is such a center of so many of these holidays, but give it the weight it needs where it's special to you. Like my rant about my sweet potato casserole. That's something that's special to me. That's something that's special to me because I have memories of the one time I tried to make it myself when I was like 10 and I really screwed it up because my mom let me do it on my own and I forgot to drain the, the canned pineapple that was included in it. So we're pulling it out of the oven at my grandma's house and we can't figure out why it's so watery. Put a bunch of marshmallows on top of it and it still was super watery and just didn't have the consistency that it should. After going back and forth for about 20 minutes, we finally realized that I made a mistake and didn't drain the pineapples because I didn't know that that was a thing. And if you're like, well, why are you telling me this? The point is, I don't even remember how it tasted. What I do remember is that funny moment that I had where my mom and I were laughing in the kitchen over the fact that I messed it up. And it was a learning moment for me, learning how to cook, being a little girl. And now that's something that I hold on to. Was it still tasty? Yeah. And you you bet I still ate it because I was very disappointed that I wasn't going to be able to have it. And I remember my mom kept trying to layer on more of the marshmallows to fix it because I was so upset that it didn't turn out the way I wanted to. And I was trying to be all proud of myself for cooking it on my own for the very first time. But again, in a lot of ways that has everything to do with food, but really nothing to do with food at the same time. So I hope you appreciate some of this advice. I hope you put some of this advice into practice. Another point worth reiterating is remembering, like I said, that if you don't choose the best path possible, if you have that slip up, if this turns into a situation where you're disappointed when you wake up the next morning, do not beat yourself up. Give yourself permission. Give yourself grace. Don't give yourself permission to eat like a total jerk. Give yourself permission that if it didn't exactly go as planned, you had the experience. You take the inventory of how it made you feel. You figure out what triggered you to choose the path you had no intention of choosing because you listened to this podcast and you were like, I'm going to be so prepared and I'm going to rock this and be proud of myself. And then take that information, store it away. And think about it when the next holiday comes, when the next celebration comes, when the next birthday event, vacation, whatever it is comes your way and you have the opportunity to practice it. 
This has been another awesome episode of The Fix. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. We're going to keep this up for at least another week. We've got our Thanksgiving Day episode dropping, and I'm going to talk all about leftovers. It was actually an idea contributed from one of my Instagram followers. She sent me a message saying that one of the biggest holiday struggles she has is thinking about the fact that she doesn't want to be tempted by leftovers. So as a result, she'll eat all of the things and probably wind up eating like an asshole in the moment so that she can prevent herself from having the leftovers later. That's such an easy pitfall to fall into. I'm excited to unpack that one, but we're going to save it for the next episode. From wherever you're listening from, I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day.